Hey, we're so excited that you tuned in and we want to let you know about something exciting happening here at Freedom. Beginning September 17th, we are offering two worship experiences at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Both experiences are identical. We would love to have you join us at one of our experiences. Hope to see you there. My message this morning is entitled, Marked to Make a Difference. Marked to Make a Difference. God has called you to make a difference in this world. And I I thought about what it means to have influence. We realize in this room today that somewhere along the line, can I get your attention for a moment? Somewhere along the line, somebody influenced you and told you something that spoke to your life. Somewhere along the line, someone either led you to Jesus, helped you with a struggle, walked, through, walked you through an addiction, walked you through a breakup, gave you some sound advice, gave you something that you said, wow, that helped me. Is that right? Can I have all the house lights up for just a little bit? Except for this one. It's a little bright. Um, Somebody spoke into your life something that has maybe resonated in your heart. And when I think about the word influence, I think about uh, the, one of the, the, the definitions I found was the captivity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone. I'll say it again. The captivity to have an effect on the character, development, and impact or rather behavior of someone or something. So when you look through the Bible, we look through the Bible, we look at people that have influenced other people. We look at people that have uh, allowed this opportunity of marking people because in our lives, we've all been marked. If you know Jesus, you've been marked by the Savior, right? You realize that you're different. You've been, you've been kind of embedded with this idea that, man, the reason why you probably came to Christ was because at some point, you realize that your life is not like everybody else's. That you were marked by the maker. But you weren't just marked by the maker, you were marked to make a difference. And so, when we look at influence and what that means, there's a couple characters we can use, but for the sake of this message this morning, I want to talk for a few moments about Samuel, the prophet. The prophet Samuel. For those of you that may or may not know, I just want to bring everybody to the same page. Can I teach a little bit this morning? Usually I preach and, I, and I'm a little bit more of a preacher. But there's some things I discovered here in bringing this truth to the table uh, about Samuel. And Samuel was a man who truly, for those of you that don't know, was a leader in ancient Israel. He was, uh, if you would turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel and let's turn to chapter 7, just for a moment. First Samuel, chapter 7. He's known, Samuel that is, as a prophet. But he also was known as a prophet with great respect. Toward the end of the period of the judges of Israel. Samuel, in the Hebrew Bible, we read... Um, not just in the Hebrew Bible, but our Bible. But in that day, he 
found himself to be a person that people looked upon. They found him to be a man of intrigue, of character. And, and, and roughly the 300 years between Joshua and King Saul, God began preparing a child with leadership skills that would be a, a very big influence to the people of God during Israel's toughest time. Can I tell you something? Listen to me now. God is often forging you for a moment in the near future. When God was preparing Samuel, Israel didn't need Samuel yet. But God was preparing Samuel for that time. Just like that this morning, there's things that you're going through that God is preparing you for a day yet to be determined. Have you ever seen a flyer that said, you know, this such and such a date, but the time to be announced or to be determined, right? And if you've seen that, you realize that it's, it's, we know it's going to happen, but we don't know exactly when. And I'm telling you, there's a TBD on your life right now. There's a TBD on your trial. There's a TBD on your, your, your struggle and the thing you're going through. Something, somewhere, God is preparing you for right now. Can somebody say amen? After Samuel began uh, to be prepared, Samuel was serving as a judge and he continued his role. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 15, Samuel continued as Israel's judge for the rest of his life. He didn't just serve for a time. God prepared him for a lifelong service. But Samuel, Samuel didn't just get put into a position. No, 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 no. Samuel was prepared long before that. Before Samuel was born, he was dedicated, before he was even born, he was dedicated to the Lord. And when he was born, by the age of four, he was already studying under Eli, the priest of the house. And he was studying by four years old, he was studying in the house of God. Can I tell you something? Parents, can I speak to you for a moment? Don't ever think that your child is too involved in church. Let me say this very loud and clear so everybody, under, not, I don't want a misinterpretation. It is good, it is great, it is imperative that your child is in the house of God. Oh, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want him to not like church. So I'm going to ask him in the morning if he wants to go to church. You're going to ask him? You're going to ask her if you... Are you tired? You want to sleep in? Okay, you had a rough week, sweetie. Get your pants on. Brush your teeth. We'll go into the house of the Lord. Come on, somebody. That's a theme in my heart right now. I'm just saying. Get, your, get yourself dressed. Don't fear bringing them up in the house of the Lord. They were four years old. Samuel's studying under the priest already. People get all bent out of shape. He's been in church three times this week. He really needs to... No, he needs the house of God. He needs the word of God. He needs the things of God. Why? Because the word of God will never pass away. It will never return void. You got to get the word of God into your children before the world gets their word into your children. There's only so much room. There's only so much room. 
You see it in the old, you don't realize this, but, but even uh, the children, if you look, uh, the Jewish children, the Hebrew children would memorize the Torah by the age of 12. They will memorize entire books of the Bible by 12 years old. And we get bent out of shape about memorizing a verse. Hello? I am going to preach it. And I'm going to tell you, we need the word of God. We got, a, we got problems in schools, problems in our community, because everybody wants to tiptoe about how much God should we allow in a child's life. Can I tell you something? Don't bend and don't break. Stand upon the word of God. Eli taught Samuel at an early age. That is why Samuel had influence. That is why Samuel was so important to Israel. Are you with me? It's awfully quiet. How did Samuel, the prophet, gain such influence? Well, James tells us a couple different things. But one of the reasons why Samuel... Uh, was able to, to have influence and why many of us can have influence on people is guess what? Tested faithfulness. I'm going to say this again. How can we as people of God gain influence over the world around us? Hear me. Tested faithfulness. When you're tested and you remain faithful, when you're tested and you remain strong and you stand on the word of God, tested faithfulness will walk you through your difficult times. James 1 verses 2 and 3 tells us, consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. What is endurance? Hanging in there. When you feel like you can't hang anymore, it's the word of God that helps us endure. Is somebody with me? 1 Peter 1.7 says, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. What is that talking about? There's a lot of moving parts here. So let me break it down real quickly for you. The proof of your faith is found through the trials. And it says even gold itself, while it's precious, will pass away. Right? It's perishable. And though tested by fire, that your life may be found to result in praise and glory. In other words, no matter what the enemy will bring your way, no matter what happens to you, you can still give praise, honor, and glory to God, not because of your trial, but in spite of it. You can give God praise in spite of your trial. And the third verse I want to read to you here is found in Job. How many know Job went through some stuff? Right? Some of you consider Job to be Job. I've been, I've been through Job. I've been through Job. My job feels like Job. But he knows the way I take and he has tried me and I shall come forth as gold. What is gold? Gold is refined through the fire. You know what gold is before it's gold, right? It's a hunk of something that hasn't been refined yet. It hasn't been tried by fire. Beneath all that stuff, beneath all the coal, once you burn it, once it's burnt and it's refined, gold becomes precious then. So is your faith. Somebody say amen. Amen. 
Your faith is the same way. I shall come forth as gold. The Bible is very clear that we have a responsibility to influence the world around us. Is that right? We have a responsibility to the same way we were marked by Jesus Christ to mark the world around us. Let me ask you a question. When you're in a conversation with someone and you want to get their attention, some of you who are in sales, some of you who are in, uh, you know, you're in retail, you understand that to engage a customer in order to, to do that, uh, you talk about something that they like, right? You talk about something that matters to them. What will, what, what interests them and you kind of engage in conversation, good leaders, good, good talkers ask questions more than they answer them. Right? People who you like to talk to, they like, they like people that like to ask questions. You like to talk to them because they're asking you questions that matter to you, right? And so in the same way, we say, how do we get to God? How do we pray through our trials? You know what he says? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. What is he saying? Talk to God about what matters to him. Talk to God about what is his concern. And you know what he'll do? He'll turn around and go, I want to pay attention because you're about my business. I want to now turn around and be about whatever's on your heart. Are you following me? Follow, trek with me for a moment. When you start caring about what God cares about, he'll turn around and go, because you've been faithful, tested and faithful the same way. You cared about the things that I care about. God's going to turn around and care about the things that you care about. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't care about your stuff beforehand. But I'm saying that our perspective changes when we start making him be first and me a distant second. A family member of mine used to say, uh, let God be first and every, everybody else take a number. Right? Let God be first and everybody else take a number. Because God is first, Right? In the same way, God says, let me be first. Let me be your focus. Let me be your father. Concern yourself with the things that concern me. And when you get God's attention that way, he will go, what is on your heart? And you can pray like most people can because you are connected to the father's heart. Are you feeling what I'm saying? Because when you connect about the father's business, that's how come Jesus, what, how many know that when you leave your child after a two days journey, right? Do you remember that? Mary and Joseph, two days journey. Where's Jesus? Has anyone seen Jesus? Two days journey, two days removed. They had to go back. And what did he say when they showed up? He was about the what? Father's business. I'm sure Jesus realized that Mary and Joseph weren't around, but he was about the father's business. He was in good hands. All right. Now, listen, the Bureau of Child Welfare, I mean, I like that story. But good thing that was not really developed at the time. Well, we realize that when you're about the father's business, he takes care of you. Amen. Samuel was a man who did a couple things. Let me just share this with you. Because Samuel lived a life like that. He was about the father's business. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, 33, right? So let's, let's talk for just a few moments uh, something very important. And they all start with C. How amazing is that? How great is that? Number one, Samuel was capable. Everybody say capable. 
Samuel was capable. God blessed Samuel with many gifts. He was a man uh, who was capable, but he wasn't just capable because God blessed him with capability. But availability, availability made him capable. You see, he was raised in the house of God. He heard from the Lord. He could see the future unfold because he was close to the Father. Now listen, I want to teach, with you, teach you just for a few moments here. The wisdom that Samuel possessed was not wisdom that is just only for Samuel. Let me tell you something. The wisdom that he possessed was wisdom that was both God-given and man-walked. See, many times in your life, the wisdom that you, you, you gain comes from multiple acts of love, dedication, commitment. Those things help you become capable to handle the pressures that come your way. And Samuel was that type. Listen, when you are in charge of the people of God, you need to have them be in capable hands. And Israel was often far from capable. Come on, somebody. Noticed by the fact that when they wanted a king, they chose Saul, who by all stretch was not the best candidate. Maybe he was good looking, maybe he was tall, and the Bible says some of those things, but I believe that the most capable person is the one that's heard from God. They may not be the most anointed uh, this and anointed that, they may not be the best looking, they may not be, but the ones that are given by God, hello? The ones that are the most capable are the ones that heard from God. Ministry is not just for those who can read Greek or Hebrew, but for people that have caught the heartbeat of God. Here's what I'm talking about. I shared this week a little bit even on on social media about the term status quo. Status quo uh, is the phrase, is a Latin phrase for uh, what, what it means. It means the mess we're in. Status quo means in Latin, the mess we're in. And I believe that many of us find ourselves in the mess that we're in because we've settled with how everything is instead of the way everything should be in Christ. The status quo is how we have just met, said to ourselves, that's good enough. That measure is good enough for me. If it's good enough for me, then it's good enough for you. Listen, what's good enough for you may not be good enough for me. I want more. I want God's best. That's what I want. Not man's best. Not, not, not my, my job's best. Not anyone else's best. I want God's best for me. Because God takes me places that no man can take me. The status quo is what? The status quo is settling with the idea that what we have is what we have. Deal with it. No. In the kingdom of God, it's about saying, God, I see what, I, what I've been given, but I'm not settling there. It's not okay where I'm at. I believe there's more for me. Not only was Samuel capable, number two, he was a man of character. Unlike Eli, Samuel exuded integrity. Eli had his moments of of character flaws, just like everybody, everybody has those moments. You realize that everybody has moments of character flaws? Anybody? No, your neighbor, not you. I know, not you. I'm talking about, how many have a neighbor? Y'all were like, no, I'm not a character flaw. You know me. But at least your neighbor maybe, right? Nobody pointing at their spouse, please. But character is what defines you, doesn't it? Character is what people see in you, often before you see it in yourself. It's what people say about you when you pass away. Character is one of the most important things you have. Are you investing in that? 
Are you investing in your character? I heard it said before. I've seen it on t-shirts and I've heard it be said before. Live your life in a way that, so that the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. That's... I appreciate that, but, but it makes sense, doesn't it? If you're living in such a way that your preacher would have a hard time in your funeral, maybe you want to yeah, take a look. Take a look-see. <laughs> right? It's important. See, people trusted Samuel because he was a man of character. They knew he had Israel's best interest at heart. The key to Samuel's life is found in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Let's look at that for a moment. One of the key verses in 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, does the, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Listen, to obey is better than sacrifice. Okay. In case you don't know what this verse is talking about, you know what it's saying? It is better to do right the first time Right? Because that's what holiness is, right? Holiness is, to, is doing what God said the first time you say do it. It is better to do what God said the first time than to mess up, turn around, and have to create an offering to God in forgiveness. So, so Samuel lived his life this way. He lived his life. He looked at the people that went before him, and he said, I'm not going to live my life living from sacrifice to sacrifice. And some people live that way. They don't live their life in the, in the immense abundance of God. What they do is they live sacrifice to sacrifice. God forgive me. And then you go and then God forgive me again. And then they go on and God forgive me again. Let me just illustrate a point for you. One day in a random desire to go get toothpaste and toothbrush, my wife and I went to Walmart. On the way to Walmart, there was a car dealership in their whole parking lot. And we went to go get toothpaste and we came home with a Durango. <laughs> Am I lying? We went, we checked out. The, this is beautiful. Who needs toothpaste? My wife said, you, we do, all of us do. Okay, that didn't happen. But serious, true story. We went to go get toothpaste. The next day we were signing papers for a Durango. My point is this, that was the worst mistake of my life. Not because Durango was horrible, but because the gas guzzling machine that was the Dodge Durango, I was getting like four miles to the gallon. I was like, you know what I'm talking about? Like I was pulling and the reason why I bring this whole thing up is because I was living gas station to gas station. I found myself going, Leisha, I'll pick you up as soon as I stop at the gas station. And then I'll drop you off as soon as I stop at the gas station. It's like point A, gas station. Point B, gas station. And I felt like I was filling up the tank. And we were every four or five days. I'm like, this is not of God. This is not of Jehovah. And what I'm saying is simply this, Pastor, where are you going with this? I'll get there. I'm saying people live their lives from sacrifice to sacrifice the same way that I was living from Sunoco to Sunoco. 
If I had a chance, I'd stop at Sheets and pick up a sub. It always comes back to food. Pray for me. Don't live your life going from sacrifice to sacrifice. Live your life in such a way like Samuel did. From obedience to obedience. Faithfulness that has been tested will draw the goodness of God out of your life. And you have a reason to serve him. It's very difficult to serve God faithfully when it's your will be done. It's very difficult to serve God faithfully when everything you do is about you. So what am I saying? Titus says, to the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled, unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciousness are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any work. What is he talking about here? Those who live their life from sacrifice to sacrifice, their minds are not pure. Because they have to continuously come to God about the same thing over and over. If you're stuck in that rut today, I want to tell you, you were designed to make a difference. You are marked to change the world. You are marked. Stop living in yesterday's sin and start living in today's blessing by being tested and faithful. Tested and faithful every day of your life. Now, will you slip? Will you fall? Yes. But guess what? The third thing that Samuel did is that he had a connection with God. And that connection allowed him to connect with people. Why? Because his heart for the people was bigger than his heart for himself. He dedicated his whole life to serving the people of God. Someone once said this, and it's Alistair Begg said this, and I won't throw the slide up here on the screen. It says this, influencing people for the good of myself is manipulating people. Influencing people for the good of the kingdom is motivation. When you start influencing people toward God, not for yourself, you are building motivation in the kingdom of God. And we all need motivation. Is that right? Connecting people to God is a very real thing. And the marked bring the message. The marked bring the message. How many know that in our lives there are times that we find ourselves influencing people for the good of ourselves. And then we're wondering why God hasn't blessed us. Anybody? We start asking God, where am I in this whole thing? Why am I not hearing from God? One thing that will never influence the world or one person that will never influence the world is the person that's trying to become like it. One person that will never influence the world is the person that's trying to become like it. Having influence is not about elevating yourself, but elevating others and saying, God, May my life make a difference in someone else. Listen, look at me for a moment. You will never, your life will never be in vain when you're elevating others to know Jesus. Your life will never be in vain if you're elevating others. Look at me. When you're elevating others, God honors the people of God. Amen? You see, Alistair got something right there. 
Influencing people for myself oftentimes leads to manipulation because you want what you want. But when you start influencing people for the kingdom of God, people are then motivated and mobilized to see great things happen. That's why I believe we as a church are thriving and moving forward because there is great motivation in seeing people that are lost come to Christ. And that is our goal. Every time you serve, every time you give, every time you come, every time you attend a men's event, a women's event, a a youth event, anytime you do anything in the church, you are moving the vision forward and you're participating in that. Can I ask you in this room right now to just bow your head for a moment? Can I ask you? Father, I'm asking you the next few moments to help us to reflect on the goodness of God and the fact that we need you more. Father, we thank you that even John the Baptist himself, the reason why he was one of the great men of God, seekers of God, is because he realized that he must decrease so that you may increase. So I'm asking you today, God, that you would allow us to connect people to you. In Jesus' name. Look up for a second. I once heard a story, and I want to read it to you here, about a a professor, Nash, who taught at Kentucky Christian College. Apparently, Nash once visited a home of a family, and he talked to talk to them about joining the church. As was his custom, when he got out of the car, he went around to open the door for his wife and walked her to the door of the family's home. Over 30 years later, the once teenage son of the family brought his son to Kentucky Christian College to enroll that boy so that he could one day be a preacher. Why did he bring his son to KCC? Because he had seen Nash open that door for his wife. And that day he was convinced that this man was a man he could trust. That man sought out KCC because of how he saw one man treat his wife. He trusted that professor because he watched what that man had done. Can I tell you something? The world looks to see how we treat our spouses. The world looks to see... How we treat our co-workers. The world looks to see how we treat our friends. And they look to see how we treat our enemies. Because anyone can treat someone they love well. But not everyone could love their enemies. And so I'm telling you today. You are marked to make a difference. And we are messengers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the big idea. You ready? We are messengers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we show and conduct ourselves. Whether or not people will see he made a difference in our lives or not. It's not just what you say. It's what they see that oftentimes marks people. If you've been truly marked by your Savior, Jesus Christ. Mark others with the confidence character, the call, and the commitment, and all the other C's I mentioned this morning, all those things, allow them to be part of your life so that you can make a difference.